Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For cables, connectors, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And buy the ham station. Get your new radio or antenna by calling 800-729-4373 or go to hamstation.com. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everybody. It's time for Ham Talk Live, episode number 57. The National Contest Journal and the N9RV Contest Array. Recorded live on Thursday, March 23rd, 2017. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by Pat Barkey, N9RV, the editor of the NCJ, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week, Rob Macedo, KD1CY, and Lloyd Colston, KC5FM, were here to talk about the voiceover IP version of the Hurricane Net. And so if you missed the show, you can listen anytime. Just go to hamtalklive.com, or you can check us out on the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. And we're also over on YouTube. So uh, we'll get your questions ready to go for Pat. Uh, We'll talk to Pat for a while, and then uh, I will let you know when it's time to call. And uh, we'll take your phone calls live on the show at 812-NET-HAM-1, 812-638-4261. Or you can call us on Skype. The username is HamTalkLive. You can also tweet us. We're live on Twitter. And our Twitter handle is at HamTalkLive. So uh, turn the sound down on the game. Watch watch the game. and It's between games anyway here. So uh, we just watched a close one. And I uh, hope you're in, enjoying that if you're into basketball like uh, we are. And um, we'll come back and... Uh, Get started with uh, Pat right after this word from the Ham Station right here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by the Ham Station. 
For over 37 years, the Ham Station has sold new and used radios, antennas, accessories, and equipment to hams everywhere. Give Dan or Jeff a call at 800-729-4373 or order online at hamstation.com. Ham Station carries all the major brands like Icom, Yezu, and Kenwood, and they have a wide selection of radio scanners, MFJ accessories, Heil Sound products, amplifiers by Mirage and Ameritron, Kushcraft antennas, and more. Easy online ordering is at hamstation.com or call 1-800-729-4373 to place an order and talk it over with the experts. The Ham Station, proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Two antennas met on a roof, fell in love, and got married. The ceremony wasn't much, but the reception was excellent. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live, the ham station as you covered. For both new and used equipment, give uh, Jeff or Dan a call at 800-729-4373 or go online at hamstation.com. Tell them you heard it on Ham Talk Live. We're on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here at hamtalklive.com. And, of course, if you miss the show, you can catch us on the podcast or on our website. Pat Barkey, N9RV of Bonner, Montana, is a well-known contester and became the 15th editor of the National Contest Journal. In January 2015, Pat's been contesting since he was 11 years old and continued to be active in radio sport through college at the University of Michigan and graduate school and his adult life. His day job is as an economist uh, directing a business research center at the University of Montana since 2007. Uh, Pat's a life member of the ARRL and has operated for many of the biggest contest stations in the United States. Uh, He spends most of his time on CW, and right now he's spending some time on vacation. In fact, I I think I can hear the, the ocean waves now. That's right. I think I think they're, uh, they're they're sounding pretty good. My spring break was last week, so I, I can't even can't even imagine that. But anyway, former Bloomington, Indiana resident Pat is here. Welcome to Ham Talk Live. Thanks, Neil. Happy to be here. Yeah. So uh, we were talking earlier about uh, old times in Bloomington, and uh, I kind of got here after you had left and everything but uh it's good to have that uh hometown connection here on the show well we want to talk a little bit about your um antenna array and uh, in fact uh posted some pictures on our facebook and twitter and instagram feeds uh from his picture on qrz.com so you can also go to qrz.com and look up in 9rv and he's got a picture of that uh that array it's pretty impressive but uh first we want to talk a little bit about the uh, national contest journal that you are the editor of now and i should mention that um just a, a couple of weeks ago i i was um 
interviewing a group of guys that are that are coming on the show here soon that have this this song, and and we've played the song on the show before actually, uh, but they 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 played it for me again and, and it's it's coming up on on the show, and they seem to have this idea that all they have to do to get on the cover of the national contest journal the NCJ is is sing a song about it so uh when ward uh ward silver in zero ax was a guest he 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 was on here talking about that we're going to have the band on soon talking about their upcoming concert so tell us all about the cover of the ncj and and how you can be on the cover without writing a song about it well all you got to do is uh send me something that's cover worthy i mean uh the NCJ is is the publication for contesters. Uh, it's an old fashioned publication, you know. You you pay your money and it comes in the mail. Uh, people say, "Why aren't we online?" And uh, we're a magazine, you know. We're we're kind of an old fashioned print publication. So uh, the folks on the cover are, by and large, the folks that uh, are in the contesting sport. Uh, ideally, folks that send me contributions of things that. Uh, we can put in the publication. It's it's a long-lived publication. It's been published by the ARRL for quite a long time, but it wasn't always published by the ARRL. It was actually just started by uh, contesters themselves. Uh, there was a time when uh, I've talked to some older editors, uh, previous editors of the NCJ, and and uh, they would put it all together on their uh, computers if they had one. And before that, it was uh, it was different technology, but you know. It was printed down in the corner, and 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 stuff envelopes were stuffed. Now I'm happy to say the AWRL does a lot of that uh, work for us. But uh, the bottom line on the NCJ is that if you're in contesting, uh, with all humility, you should subscribe to the NCJ because that's where your uh, your cohorts, your your comrades, your your peers are sharing their secrets and their stories. Uh, you'll be inspired, you'll be entertained, and uh, you might even learn a thing or two. Very good. And so as editor, you go through the articles and and try to pick out some things. What are some things that you're you're looking for to um, to include in the journal? Well, it, it's always been a mixture, and uh, every editor's taken a different tack. Uh, but uh, by and large, we're looking for a mixture of uh, content about operating, uh, about technology, uh, and about contesting as a sport in terms of the strategy. And also, you know, a few war stories here and there don't hurt at all. So we try, uh, we have a number of regular columns. Uh, the columns take up things that are really specific to contesting. Uh, you know, things as esoteric as what kind of chair should you sit in? Or what's the secret to staying up 48 hours? Uh, to to things like uh, you know managing your station, uh, cutting down on interstation interference. Uh, we've had some just outstanding uh, interviews with legends in our sport who uh, really have so much wisdom to share with us. Uh, we bring that to the printed page. It's it's a publication. Uh, there's a lot of places you can go and read about contesting, but I think the NCJ uh, stands out as something that's just really I think, and this is not just my doing by any means. It's a huge team of people putting this together. I think the NCJ is 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 what I would call crafted. It's it's really we try to select things. Uh, 
which we think will be valuable for readers. And we put them together in a way that we hope is interesting, readable, and very professional. Excellent. Uh, while we're talking about uh, information, you know, as simple as, as what kind of chair to sit in and that kind of thing, one way that you kind of get a, a crash course on all of this is, uh, of course, Contest University. And uh, once again, Tim Duffy, uh, K3LR, is going to come on the show here before Dayton and uh, give us a little preview of what's coming up at this year's Contest University. But um, in addition to your work on the NCJ, you've been able to speak there and uh, developed a glossary um, for Contest University. So tell us a little bit about uh, some of your presentations that you've made there and the glossary. Well, mostly I've done the glossary. I haven't done presentations. I'm thousands of miles from Dayton, so it's a little difficult for me to do that. But the uh, the glossary, Neil, is really uh, – it was. I, I don't know whose idea it was. It might have been my idea. I really don't remember. And it's another one of those group efforts, and I slapped my name on it, which is always fun. But it really reflects the fact that when, when people reproach anything that is specialized, and ham radio contesting can be very specialized – there's a little bit of a barrier there in terms of understanding what people are talking about, just getting through the terminology. So that's the point of the glossary. So everything that, that veterans in HF operating especially, but contesting overall, but everything that veterans would take for, for granted, everyone understands what a band opening is. Everybody understands what a fluttery signal is, or everybody understands what, a, what an off time is in a contest. But in fact, people that have never been really immersed in contesting like uh, like some of us have been, really these terms don't really mean much. And so the idea was just to put together a, a set of terminology. I think the thing is up to like 28 pages now. It's grown to include everything from uh, the basic technical terminology that's used in contests, contest rules, uh, propagation information, uh, the latest expansion, which will show up in the CTU this year, is all the stuff associated with remote radio. So all the all the terminology used in in, in explaining, understanding, and and really perfecting the art of operating your radio station via the internet, so that you're you're uh, you're operating your ham radio, but you may not be sitting right next to it. So, for instance, maybe a term that, that a lot of people wouldn't be familiar with otherwise is stacking. So exactly. you, you have something in there about about stacking. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, that's, that's part and parcel. I mean, uh, everybody knows that, uh, you know, ham radio, is, is, uh, ham radio contesting is a competition, and part of that competition is putting together a signal that's going to beat everybody else out or at least beat out most of the people. And, uh, you know, gain antennas is part of that. Stacking antennas, which uh, typically means vertical stacking, although horizontal stacking is also possible, is uh, been part of the contest toolkit for going on three decades, perfected by W2PV, by the way, in the early 80s, really pioneered and really pushed that into the mainstream in terms of, you know, kind of the must-have uh, uh, weapons in the, in the contesting arsenal. And, uh, you know, stacking is something that uh, we know about, except for if we're new, we don't. So let's explain it. Very good. And speaking of, of stacking of antennas, 
you've got quite the uh, the array out there of uh, antennas, and uh, that picture again uh, it's on our uh, social media feeds and uh, on um, Pat's QRZ.com page in nine RV. Uh, you can take a look at that, but tell us about that array and your your station setup, and how do you get all those things up there at once and control them all? Well, I uh, my station is is not the biggest in the country by any means, but uh, it's probably the biggest in Montana. But even there, it's a close race. So uh, basically, uh, there's there's two parts to it. Uh, well, there's probably three parts. Uh, one, which is increasingly challenging, uh, I suspect for many of your audience, like everybody, is is finding the real estate to do it. And uh, from my point of view, uh, that certainly has uh, a lot of obstacles in terms of zoning and, and covenants and so forth. But the uh, the goal is, uh, you know, you don't you don't need to solve the world of covenants and zoning. You just need to find one place you can put up your antenna. So if uh, if you commit to it, it can be done. I think uh, I was pretty fortunate to, to have about five and a half acres where I am in western Montana. Uh, the second is getting the equipment, getting the gear and so forth together. Uh, there's a nice tradition in ham radio, which I always liked in, in having started in ham radio when I was pretty young and pretty much penningless. Uh, it's called scrounging. So uh, most of my uh, antennas, all of my antennas except one are homebrew. Uh all of my towers are secondhand. I, I bought them used. I took them down. I acquired stuff for a long, long time. Uh, the station I have in Montana is uh, is actually almost the same as the station I had back in Indiana. I spent 14 years in Muncie, Indiana, a little bit north of you there in Bloom- from Bloomington, Neil. And I had pretty much the same stuff. And uh, I, 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 brought, I brought it out to Montana, and I ended up putting most of it all back up. So... Uh, it really is a. Uh, I, I like DX contests, so uh, it's it's a contest designed for for DX. Uh, excuse me, it's a station designed to to be competitive in DX contests. So that involves stacked uh, stacked uh, stacked antennas, monobanders on rotary towers. I have two rotary towers. Uh, one has my antennas for twenty and forty, and the other has my fifteen and ten meter antennas. I have some other stuff as well, but that's that's the. Uh, that's what I like. I, I tell you, quite honestly, if you want to spend a couple hours on what makes me tick in terms of ham radio, and you probably don't, but I would say that uh, the challenge of putting all that stuff up is is what really floats my boat. I mean, I really like uh, I really like the planning and the implementing of, of contest station building, and quite honestly, when you get it all done, uh, there's a part of me that's kind of bored. Uh, yeah, operating the contest is fun, and I do a lot of it, but quite honestly, I, I wish... Uh, Part of me wishes that I, I could buy the adjacent 10 acres and put up two or three more towers. Not that I need them, but uh, it's just, it's fun to do. It's fun to fun to plan it, plan to execute it, and then see how everything works. So, in, in talking about this, you know, and designing it and planning it and, and getting all of that going, uh, let's say somebody wants to start uh, a, a contest station and wants to start uh, putting together some kind of an array like that. What's your advice for that? Well, my advice is is really simple, and that is uh, get connected with somebody who's done it. So uh, I can tell you, uh, having lived in the Midwest for a long time, I, uh, all the years I was in Bloomington, Neil, I never uh, I never had a station. I lived in apartments most of the time. I lived there 
But I did happen to know a, a contester in the southeast side of Indianapolis to the call sign of W9RE. And W9RE has a very big station, much bigger than mine. And uh, I uh, I learned a lot from Mike. I've learned a lot from other people both before and after Mike. But uh, that would be the classic example. You see, uh, first off, you see what's involved. And secondly, you, you learn some things about uh, everything from, you know, uh, what you can and what you can't economize on. I mean, hams are cheap, as we all know. I'm cheap. You're probably cheap. I mean, if you're ham, by definition, you're cheap. Yep, yep. But there's, there's certain things you don't want to be cheap on, clearly. You know, you don't want to be cheap on guy wire. You don't want to be cheap on on the quality of your, your mechanical equipment and so forth. So uh, that that would be my advice. There's other approaches. I mean, there's the checkbook approach, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's uh, whatever floats your boat, as you say. I mean, but... Uh, my, but like I say, my advice, if you were asking my advice, would be to learn what it's about. Uh, visit, collaborate, and uh, get to know someone who's got a big station so you can learn the lessons that they already know, and, and then you'll start out that much further ahead. And you'll also learn, for example, what, what kind of maintenance is involved. Uh, I, I once heard uh, someone say, and I hear this quite a bit, Someone said that, well, working DX is, isn't a challenge if you have monoband stacks. And uh, and my rejoinder to that is, uh, you have no idea what the challenge of putting up monoband stacks is. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a challenge, not just putting them up, but keeping them up and all that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not for everybody, but, uh, you know, that's one of my passions in NCJ, by the way, not to connect too much back to what we were talking about earlier, but... But if you're a station builder and if you're even, dare I say, addicted to station building and, and addicted to station hardware, you're the kind of person that goes to Dayton and, and sort of blows all their money on, on buying stuff for your station, uh, you'll get a lot of out of NCJ. Uh, it's not as good, like I say, as getting to know station builders personally, but it, uh, you're definitely talking to your own kind when, you, when you're in either environment. So walk us through if you would the let's just pick one we'll say that your 40 and 20 meter tower uh walk us through what you've got up there sure uh well i'm i'm my station is in a uh i'm surrounded by 100 foot tall ponderosa pines uh i have a rotating tower it's made out of rome 55 it's guide four times it's uh, it's a rotating system is by a company which is long since defunct. It's a com- company called Towercraft. I think they only made about uh, seven or eight rotating systems. But I was I was lucky enough to be able to buy that from someone that was moving away, and I took it down. I got a good deal. So it's rotated by a prop pitch rotator at the bottom. It's got four guy rings, and so the whole tower turns. And on that tower, I have four Yaggies. They're huge Yaggies. Uh, three of them are 20-meter Yaggies. They're OWA design. They're monoband Yaggies. They're on 48-foot booms. OWA design is a design which K3LR was involved with. It gives you a really good performance across the entire band. So it's a six-element Yaggie. I have three of those. So the top one is 175 feet. One's at 120, and the low one's at 55. And then at the 160-foot level, I have a uh, four-element OWA 40-meter Yagi. Uh, I just have one. I feel like a poker. I mean, K3LR has a three-high stack of these things, so I'm just a little guy here, Neil. But uh, that beast weighs about three, 
350 pounds and it is a it is it's really a performer uh so that's uh that's the 2040 system the other towers uh also a rotating tower 140 feet and it's got a bunch of 10 and 15 meter antennas on it pretty impressive to me i'll, I'll say that that's uh, uh you may be uh not as as uh big as k3lr but uh compared to uh one or two uh that i've been able to have at a home or or at school that's uh that's pretty impressive well we're going to take a break here and we'll come back and uh We'll open up the phone lines to take your calls and take your tweets. Again, the number is 812-NET-HAM-1, 812-638-4261. So uh, we'll come back and take your calls with Pat in 9RV right after this from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you in part by Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics has been the Ham's Dime Store since 1978. When you need connectors, mobile and handheld antennas, cables, or adapters, visit Scott or Jill at a HamFest near you. Or you can order online at pl-259.com or call 920-435-2973. Stock up on those supplies like PL-259 and end connectors, SMA adapters, audio cables, soldering supplies, mobile antennas, and hand Sticks. Their silver-plated end connectors are even used on the International Space Station. Tower Electronics carries MFJ, Comet, Daiwa, OPEC, Workman, and HamPro products. And don't miss their 0% off sale going on now. Tower Electronics, online at pl-259.com. Proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. CQ, CQ, CQ. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Join the conversation. Call us on voice with Skype at Ham Talk Live or give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show tonight to help bring you Ham Talk Live. They're at the Mobile Alabama Ham Fest and the Staunton, Wisconsin Ham Fest on April the 8th and Calhoun, Georgia on April 22nd. And, of course, they'll be at Hamvention. Uh, But give them a call until then, um, or if you can't make one of those, their number, 920-435-2973, or visit them at pl-259.com. Tell them you heard it on Ham Talk Live, and uh, be sure to listen to Ham Talk Live. We're on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here at hamtalklive.com. And check out our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Ham Talk Live, you'll find us, so... It's time for your calls now. If you have a question for Pat, now's the time to give us a call. It's 812-NET-HAM-1, 812-638-4261. Or you can Skype us. Uh, we're on Skype at Ham Talk Live. Or you can send us a tweet at Ham Talk Live if you have a question or a comment for Pat about the uh, contesting array or the... Uh, National Contest Journal, why give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1, and we'll see if we can uh, work those in. And um, 
Pat, what are your while we're waiting on uh, on some calls and tweets here? Um, what are your plans for the future of the NCJ? You have any uh, any uh, long term goals that you'd like to to accomplish there? Well, I'm I'm really I'm kind of into my final stretch on the NCJ. Probably this is my third year, and it's probably going to be my last year. But I'll, I'll tell you what I've tried to do already, and what I'd like to keep doing. Uh, the first thing I'd like to do is, and I haven't succeeded in this yet, and that is to make the NCJ a little bit more international. Uh, if you get on, particularly on CW, you can't help but notice that uh, the big nexus of, of ham radio activity on CW is now in Europe. I mean, you know, you, the Europeans are super active. They got all their own contests. There's so many innovations coming out of Europe, the equipment, the amplifiers, the, the, the tricks, and, and just the, uh, the skill there. I've had, had some luck getting some contributors there, but it's been, uh, I've tried to have some, uh, some interviews and some, some columns that really kind of expose the North American contesters more to what's going on there. Uh, another thing I tried to do with NCJ, and I'm happy to say I have been able to do this, I mentioned it earlier, and that's bringing to the forefront some of the people who have really been the legends in our sport. Uh, the people who, if you were getting into contesting today, you might not have ever heard of them, or, or maybe you did come across them, but you don't really appreciate that there's some folks who are, are near the end of their contest careers who have done an enormous amount of innovation and, and, uh, and mentoring to our sport. We just uh, concluded an interview, for example, with Lou Gordon, K4VX, out of Hannibal, Missouri, who sadly just became a silent key. And Lou, uh, Lou is a guy, uh, just as one example, he's a guy who has run a multi-op contest station, and the people who have graduated, if you will, from his station have gone on to be some of the best operators in the world. And it's just remarkable, and it was great to talk to him. So that was another thing with NTJ. Uh, a third thing is really... Uh, I'm a station builder, so that's my bias. So if you want to talk about putting a station together, I really pay attention. I want to learn every trick I can. And so I wanted to make sure that the uh, we brought more station builder tips. I mean, some, some things that will really help you uh, think about and, and maybe even even put into, into place, you know, some plans to, to make your station better because – that's the thing that really attracts me about contesting. Contesting, if you will, it's it's a uh, it's it's the value. Every time you run a contest, your your hardware is evaluated, and your hardware is really the product of your own efforts. It's what how, what you put up. So every one of us wants to get better. There's always things we can improve on, and that's one thing I really wanted to bring to NCJ. And that's that's sort of a work in progress. Very good. 812-NET-HAM-1 is the phone number, 812-638-4261, or Skype us at AmTalk Live, or you can tweet us like Bill Stearns, NE4RD, has uh, tweeted, and he wants to know about your SO2R setup. <laughs> uh, I know Bill. Hello, Bill. How are you? Uh, well, my SO2R setup is not really uh, revolutionary. SO2R, first off, stands for single operator, two radio. I do it kind of the old-fashioned way, which is the way it's been done for the last 20 or so years. Uh, and I'm sort of a follower. There's there's a new wrinkle to SO2R. I'll talk about that in a second. But my setup is basically I have two radios. 
I have the audio uh, for each radio in, in each ear. So I, I can listen to radio one on the left ear, radio two on the right ear. And I can, of course, switch to get both ears in any one radio. But basically the philosophy, and I don't know how much your audience is really into this, but the philosophy of, of two radio is very simple. And that is while your radio is transmitting, your brain is, is not doing anything. You're listening to yourself transmit. And so why not use that time to do something productive? So in the case of SO2R, the way I and many others implement it is while you're CQing on radio one, you are tuning around on radio two to find to someone else to call. And so during the dead time, when you have the opportunity, when you're not busy on radio one and, and the station you have lined up to call on radio two is, is, is turned it over and is waiting for your call, you have the, the, the ability, and of course this involves computers and software and so forth, but the ability to quickly switch over to Radio 2, make the call, make the contact, and seamlessly go back and CQing on Radio 1. So it's basically some extra stuff, extra points, extra multipliers, uh, also extra fun from my point of view. Uh, that's the way we've done it. Uh, it involves a lot of things involved, involving uh, how your station is set up so that you have the ability with a kilowatt or 1500 watts to to be able to say transmit on 20 and listen on 40 without the 20 meter station wiping out your 40 meter rig, etc. Uh, really quickly, the, the new way of doing SO2R, which is being just, there's been several breakthroughs, and that's where you're doing alternating CQs. So you're CQing on radio one and radio two almost at the same time. You're not literally transmitting at the same time, but you're running a pileup on two bands at once. It's uh, pretty, pretty, Nerve-wracking. Uh, you got to get all the timing right, but if you do it right, uh, you don't quite get double your rate, but doggone close. And and the people are doing it are really, uh, really doing very very well. That's that's a challenge. <laughs> Not everybody can pull that one off, and uh, I hear more and more about it almost every day uh, that people are are giving it a shot. And uh, uh, what are what are your um, best suggestions for trying to do that? Uh, do you find matched radios help or, or anything like that that, that seems to help uh, the chaos of, of being on two at once? Well, there's, there's really three things going on. The first is the hardware, and you mentioned part of that. Well, you don't have to have matched radios, but, uh, you know, there's, there's the hardware involved, uh, there's the software involved, and then there's your brain. Right. <laughs> yeah. For many of us, is a limiting factor. So let me, uh, without going into too much detail, I mean, uh, the hardware involves uh, stubs, filters, lots of things to help you be able to listen through your own transmitted signal. I'll gloss over that for the moment, and and I would just give some very bottom line practical advice. If you want to do two radios a contest, my first piece of advice is to make sure you know how to do one radio first. Uh, it's it's not a tolerant uh, mode. If, if, if you're not really smooth with one radio, if you're not, if you do, if your brain is not idle, if you're working full time, just getting one radio going, you're not ready for two. Okay. That's my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is, is also fairly simple. And that is, it's called practicing. So a lot of times what involves with two radios is you have to have the ability to move your concentration from one radio to the other. 
So it's, and that takes practice. So uh, I know uh, some of the people that pioneered this would simply sit in their radio station with two, with two audio streams coming into both ears all the time, which is kind of chaotic if you think about it. I mean, who wants to have two, two people talking at once to you all the time? It seems like a lot of work trying to understand what one of them is saying. You want to turn the volume down on one of them so you can use all your concentration on the second. But the Master 2 radio involves being really comfortable with multiple things coming at you and having the ability, after practice for most of us, to selectively move your concentration from the left to the right so that you get the information you need to get. So uh, what about uh, splitting the, the headphones in one radio in the left and one in the right? Yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, there's so many boxes out there. Top, top 10 devices has got a box and people can homebrew boxes uh, and they interface really well with software and 1MM is a super popular free software package, very powerful, but there are many others. Um, and uh, sometimes you, uh, you can do things with software that really make a lot of sense and a lot of people do them. And as a matter of fact, a lot of people that beat me do these things, so maybe I better learn how to do them. <laughs> In terms of using the, using the software, it's, it's a rather predictable kind of thing. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're, if you're a contest or Neil, but you have, you know, you have like, let's say, a sweepstakes exchange and it has a long exchange and there's quite a bit of time you need to, you need to listen to all that stuff and you need to get it right because if you don't get it right, you, you, you lose the contact points, etc. Versus a contest like CQ Worldwide where the exchange is almost meaningless. Someone's going to send you a 599. Everybody in contest sends you a 599 and then they send a zone number. And you already know their zone number because by copying the call sign, right? So I guess what I'm saying is that there are some contests where you really need to bear down at different points in time. Of course, you got to bear down to get the call. In sweepstakes, you got to bear down and get that exchange worldwide. Once you have the call, you're fine. So it uh, there's a lot of a lot of little tricks. Uh, take some practice, and but it really uh, once you start doing it, it's hard to stop. I'll put it that way. And like I say, that this horse has left the barn. Gosh, twenty years ago. And uh, like you say, the, the new one is this dual CQing thing, which is uh, kind of cool. And uh, that's kind of my project this summer to learn how to do that. Sounds pretty good to me. 812-NET-HAM-1 is the phone number if you have a question. We have just a few minutes remaining with Pat in 9RV, the editor of the National Contest Journal. Um, and so feel free to chime in at 812-NAT-TAM-1 or on Twitter at HamTalkLive or by Skype. Uh, we're also at HamTalkLive there. I, I've, I've done some contesting. That's something that, that I uh, look forward to. I'm not um, the kind of person that will sit down for, you know, 24 hours straight and... and and go, but uh, but I've uh, really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed bringing it to the kids at school. Um, we we've done school club roundup, CQ worldwide, some of those uh, contests, and they they really enjoy it, and they get into the competitiveness of it, and and so really enjoy it. But I, I think um, you know, I think I could I could go for SO two R, but I haven't. Uh, I haven't really tried that yet, uh, in a in a serious way, anyway. Um, so, 
Could be, could be interesting. May have to give it well, a shot. That's uh, that's what I like about contesting is that there's always something new to try and it never stops. Uh, both from technology. I mean, from my point of view, there's there's a contest season. I, I like to take the summers off. There's always contests in the summer, but uh, you know the season starts in the fall, as far as I'm concerned. And you go into every contest season, no matter how many years you've been doing it. Uh, with something, you're going to try something different. You have a new toy, a new piece of hardware. Like I say, I I think of contesting. I mean, let's face it. I mean, we're we're making a phone call right now, and we're using commercial technology, and it sounds great. You sound great. I hope I sound decent. But I I don't I didn't have anything to do with that. But if I'm talking to you over the air, the strength of my signal is 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 well. Sure, it depends on the ionosphere. But it depends a lot on what I did. You know, I put together my station. It's it's my electrons leaving my wire or my hunk of aluminum, etc. So I think contesting is gives you a really nice uh, way to benchmark your station building efforts. I know a lot of contesters that actually don't really like to contest that much. They like to put together their station. It's like going to war. You know, they put together their army. They invite other operators to come over to their station. And... Uh, and see how it all works. How did you do? That's, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's not about winning. It's about improvement as far as I'm concerned. And it's about the, the reward you get from your efforts. Sounds good to me. Um, and and I, I think that's uh, a lot of the draw uh, of, of uh, contesting is it, it provides a reason to learn how to do some of those things. And uh, I think um, especially, like I said, with my students at, uh, at school, um, you know, it's, it's been the reason for learning how to, uh, for them, just learning how to fill out QSL cards, learning what 5-9 <laughs> is, you know, uh, and, and how to set up the stations. Uh, how to, how to set up a power supply or, you know, some of those basic things. Um, some of them, many of them aren't even licensed. Um, and so that exposes them to it and gives them a chance to try it out and, and to learn and to, to put things together. And then when they do, um, get on the air, why, um, they have that experience and they, they know what they're doing. And, um, that's something that, uh, the test doesn't always cover. Yeah, and, and my my advice to to listeners would be to uh, most of that exposure comes from field day. I mean, that's a lot of people's first experience to contesting. And and my challenge to listeners would be, okay, field day is good, but operate another one. Operate a different contest. Operate one that's not field day. One where you, where it's, where it's your efforts, or maybe with with friends or whatever. And uh, that's when you'll really get hooked. Uh, I think I, I I stumbled across my first contest by accident. I tuned the bands and there it was. And uh, it was kind of a magical thing. I never really figured out what was going on. And eventually I put it together. But uh, it's uh, in the Internet age, we're a little bit better connected. You can really figure it out a lot more quickly. But uh, the magic is just the same. Uh, spinning the dial, working people with your own stuff. It doesn't get any better than that. And speaking of field day, and we are out of time, by the way, but speaking of field day, we just uh, got a commitment from uh, Sean KX9X to come on and do the field day question and answer session the uh, Thursday before field day at once again this year. So if you uh, are out there listening and you do run into some questions about field day, why uh, 
we'll have that uh, question and answer session available a couple of days before field day. So, Pat, thanks for coming on the show. We're out of time, but uh, appreciate you taking time, especially uh, away from the uh, vacation there to join us tonight and look forward to talking to you again. Likewise, Neil. Really a pleasure to get to know you and uh, best of luck with the show. All right. Thanks a lot. That is a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Pat Barkey, KRN9RV, and everyone out there in cyberspace for listening, and uh, Bill for tweeting in. And we invite you all back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time when Don Wilbanks, AE5DW, our friend, will be here to talk about Ham Nation episode 300 coming up and course the 2017 amateur radio newsline bill pasternak young ham of the year award nominations for a list of all of our upcoming guests visit hamtalklive.com so for now this is neil rapp wb9 vpg saying 7375 and may the good dx be yours